What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beers and. Today, we're going to be talking about beers, beers and, and fragrances. fragrances. Yeah, timing that out. How's that? I think we did damn well on that yeah, one. Yeah, we I can't tell. Good. I never know until post anyway, so uh, we're going to stick with it. How is everyone today? Victory. Hope everyone's uh, having a good Thursday. It's Thursday. It is. Nick Nick and I are together. We're remote. Uh, something just rattled around. Sounded like a ghost. That's oh. fun. Uh, it's probably, yeah, it's probably not. It's fine. Oh, okay, good. It's probably not a ghost. All right. uh, but welcome back to Beer's End. And I hope everyone's having a good day. I said that already. Um, might say it again later, just in case anyone's paying attention. We are talking fragrances today. Smells. <laughs> Smells like a good episode. Smells. Well, you know, like stinks good, stinks bad. Either one. Yeah. Yeah. I've got right? a, I, I think so. Yeah. Another person, one person's uh, uh, stank is another person's perfume. Okay. I'm with okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. But, Let's, you know. 100%. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, come watch us on YouTube. You can see us remote and me wearing a hat and my stupid green headphones. We're um, matching, though, which is nice. We both went for the, uh, for the I don't give a shit white tea look. <laughs> You know, I'm not normally a white tea person. Oh, no. Like, uh, no, no. Like, I would never. I don't know. This is going to make me sound, but I would never go out in the public, like, in just a white T-shirt. Now, I will never, counter ever. that, but agree with you. If you if you put a cardigan on all of a sudden, oh, my God. Oh, he's yeah. So well put. To, I figured that out in an undergrad. I was like, I could just put on a white T-shirt and put on a cardigan. Then it's like, with the, oh, yeah, with the open cardigan, right? Done. And yeah. I'm ready for the day. Like, what is he? Is he a professor? Is he a graphic designer? I bet he's a writer, maybe. We'll never know. Who knows? You can come see us rant on YouTube at Beers and Podcast. Come follow us on the socials uh, on Instagram at Beers and Podcast, Twitter at Beers and One, and send all your concerns and everything towards our email at Beers and Podcast at gmail.com. We're, Nick. Also, we're also oh, sorry. real quick. We're also now on the TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got to I got to add that into my. In, into my show doc there you go i believe that we are also listed i i'm saying this like i wasn't the one that put the the account together i believe that we're also still at beers and podcast oh, okay uh, fantastic that's easy works out very very well there and our friend dan uh del petro i'll throw his name out there he was the first to subscribe to us and said don't you forget that i was the first to hey, subscribe to you so we, we won't go, dan. dan we'll never forget you yeah that's fun uh we're so we're on tiktok now we're experimenting um i think it's going pretty well so far I think so. Yeah, you're crushing so. it. You're crushing uh, it. Listen, uh, it's it, we've we've got two clips up there. Hopefully, maybe by the end of today, we'll have three. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Nick, we have a Nick pick today. We do. We I do, we do. I don't know if we've ever had a a beer from this brewery before. I on, do not believe we have. If anything, uh, and and you know, folks might uh, realize in the next couple episodes. We're going to be starting to dive in a little bit into a couple of breweries that we haven't had on the show before. So it should yeah. get exciting in the next couple of weeks. Definitely. Today we have one from uh, Heavy Reel. It's actually a collab. It's a collaboration between Heavy Reel Brewing and Dewey Beer. Um, Dewey Beer, I'm not too familiar with, but Heavy Reel is brewed out of New Jersey. Oh. Yep. And this one is called Thick thrills thick thrills thick t-h-y-y-k i like that. that get that c business out of here um this is the blue hawaiian flavor it looks you know what the the can art now reminds me of as i'm looking at it the guy with the little like skull head reminds me of um 
Kool-Aid? Uh, I'm sorry? Kool-Aid? No. The skull head reminds me of one of the characters from Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, my goodness. I haven't played that game forever. You right? know what? And, and actually don't know who you're talking about. I, I feel like there was a there was a, a there was a character that had that was just a skull at one point or there was something having to do with like skulls. Maybe I'm making that up because um, there was one particular level where I remember there was some like now, I guess, like maybe like troubling, uh, like cultural appropriations of, of like, you know, uh, Amazon uh, rainforest folk and things along those lines. So I think sure. that's where it came from. You know, yes, back he, then, they got away with a lot of uh, things they probably shouldn't have. It was the 90s. PC. Yeah, PC was out the window. In the 90s? Absolutely. Yeah, still is kind of this day sometimes. So blue Hawaiian flavor. Um, you know, like whenever I think of blue Hawaiian, I always think of Ralph's. Ralph's Ices. Oh, my God. Because I, I would get. Yeah, they had like that. a blue Hawaiian shake. What was the, I got to be real honest with you. I think that if you put a gun to my head and said, what is the flavor of blue Hawaiian? I don't know if I could actually tell you. So I I don't know if it's like an adapted alcoholic drink, but it's cocktail. uh, I'm sorry, coconut, mango, and pineapple, I believe. Oh, it's it's like a tropical, like ice cream or, or shake or slushy, whatever. Oh, that you know what? I probably should have just read the back of the can because that would yes. have uh, really summed things up here. So that is what is in here. This is you know, a fruited Berliner Weiss with pineapple, mango, and coconut. Ooh. Reminiscent. You know, like, I don't know. We actually should probably do a little dive of our own onto, into Blue Hawaiian just to know, like, where it came from. Like, what was it? This sounds like uh, Blue Hawaiian. I don't know why. For some reason, I'm automatically thinking back to, like, uh, 40s, 50s, you know, troops being stationed oh. out in Hawaii. I don't know why for some reason that's like that's not right. I haven't done the let me let me reinforce. Haven't done the slightest bit of research into it, but that's what I feel. You know what's funny? My brain went right to shaved ice. Ooh, so I think that oh. I think that really dials in what uh, you and I are where our brains are both thinking about. Yes. Absolutely. We want to yes. know, you know what, if you have your speculation on where Blue Hawaiian came from, let us know before we have or to Or if look you just know. Yeah, or, or if, if you, you just, just know. know. Yeah, that's we, fine. We too. appreciate, you know, sources. This yeah, is a, definitely. This is a valid podcast. Even though I will never cite mine. Luckily, we haven't had anybody say anything yet. So just assume that the good fo- uh, good folks at Wikipedia have had quite a, quite an influence. Listen, if I could spit off oh all God, this stuff this off the top of my head, yeah, it's it's so blue. I just look at it again. It's so blue. It's so blue. If I if I could spit all these random facts off the top of my head, then I would not be doing this, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, so. this might be the perfect career for folks that know something like that right off the top of their head. I agree. Nobody that's going into the uh, going in to do like brain surgery is like, you know, where Blue Hawaiian came from? Like, no, just <laughs> aim for the occipital lobe, sir. There you go. You know, brain right? stuff. That's the one yes. that controls the eyes. How about? <laughs> oh, How about- my God. It's so blue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. This color is wild. It's almost like slightly off-putting blue. Yeah, it's it's like a blue-green. Oh, my goodness. This beer. Yeah, blue-green. Yep. yep. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God. I'm My bracelet is stuck on my wire, and it's precariously I'm... over my laptop. There we uh, go. Oh, we're good. Oh, yeah, that would, that would not be good. Um, so yeah, this beer is, uh, is, is quite the color. Wow. 
the um, smell on this is incredible also yeah yeah it's, it smells wild um wow okay so yeah just pineapple mango and coconut um they put some sort of food coloring or or dye or something in here i love that the despite the fact so i didn't do what i am used to having done for me for me which was flip the can over first so i saw that it got a little bit thicker towards the end okay um but there's quite a bit of carbonation coming through still which i think to me says it is going to still have that nice berliner weiss um like base if you will a little bit more carbonated Um, I hope so too. I love, you know, me, I love a good, you know what I'm, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing milk sugar. And I feel like when I smell it, it's probably the coconut, but I get a little bit of it. Is anything else on, uh, untapped at all? Uh, no, in fact, that there's less on untapped if you can believe that or not. Really? There's only three things listed on here to begin with. Yeah. There's just plus signs in between them on untapped. So, uh, oh, all right. But I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go for it. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, sir. That was that was supposed to be Mon Frere, but it Mon came Freire. out. Um, that it came out. I don't. I don't even know. That's perfectly fine. Cheers. Uh, oh, nice and blue. Cheers. Wow. Wow. What do I have on the inside of my glass? Oh man, I can't. Oh, I got it. Um, this beer is nuts. This is wild. This it, is wild. It tastes like there's something else. Like I feel like there's a fourth ingredient in here, and it's almost like marshmallowy. I, I'm wondering if that's actually from some of the creaminess of the coconut flavor. And don't forget, you know, I'm also, I like eating like raw mango to begin with. And mango sometimes, if it gets a little bit on the softer side, will have a little bit of a thickness to it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's Man. that. Let me, let me, let me go ahead and check out. Let's see if, if there's anything else anywhere. This is like, it, it's why it's it, if you turned around to a kid and said, I want you to make up a flavor for me like this has child written all over it. I agree. Um, and, and the color, too. Right. But what what is there's a complexity in this. And it's it's not just like mango, pineapple, coconut. No, but I'm not really sure like what exactly it is or like. You know, there's nothing added in the ingredients, so stands to reason there's nothing else. Correct. I, I, there's something I'm, going on. Hmm. Let's see. All right. So let's see. So this is on the old Reddit. Only posted two months ago, so that's always good. Um, yeah. There's nothing additional. There's nothing. Yeah, I think additional. this is a fresh drop. Oh, absolutely was man. Because I have so juicy. It is. I that's a perfect, perfect term for this. So juicy. Oh, you still hear me? All right. It's really weird. Yeah, what was that? I had a weak connection all of a sudden, it says. It's already turning my tongue a little blue. Is it? Just a little bit. Oh, all right. Hmm. It's got a little bit of that sour still in there. Of the Berliner Weiss, which nice I, which puckery, I like, yep. yep. But it doesn't linger. The the kind of sweetness and the softness of the mango cut through it really, really nicely. It's only six percent. Yeah, not that high. I mean, I'm just so like, I'm so 
and dumbfounded by this because it doesn't taste like any of those things. You like it tastes, it tastes like them together. Yes, but they're t- it's it it is like, and I've said this before, the the whole is greater than some of its parts because I think that these all of these come together in a unique way in this beer. Well, and I think it's quintessentially blue Hawaiian. Then, like I think this is the flavor of mm. blue Hawaiian. I'm really really liking this. The color is the color is a little off putting. But the flavor is phenomenal. Absolutely. It's phenomenal. really tasty. It's really tasty. It's like sweet tart juice in your mouth. Yeah. As soon, Ooh, as, yeah. soon as you drink it. Ooh, That's it's really what that, it is. That uh, not even so much a, a sweet tart, but more of like, do you remember the shock tarts? Yeah. Yeah. Got a little bit of that sourness little, in yeah, there too. Where it kind of hits you right in the, uh, right in the jowls. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's get, let's get into the question before we give this thing a rating. Yeah. Sticking with the topic. What um, and you you don't have to really give me a like a straight out answer. You could just give me a whatever yeah. um, favorite fragrance or like preferred smells or Ooh. types of smells. I do like a good Egyptian musk. I like I like a good musk. Um, Egyptian musk specifically, yes. Egyptian musk. I like a good okay, sandalwood. All right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. I, uh, I like a lot of more like woodsy, natural kind of like smells rather than uh, rather than anything too perfumey, if you will. All right. Yeah. Um, I can I can pinpoint my favorite cologne and perfume. Oh, uh, it's light blue. Okay. From Dolce Gabbana. Oh, all right. And it's it's a very um like spicy and citrusy yeah. and fresh scent and that's typically what i go for yeah like i like a little bit of spice and citrus and like a almost like you were walking on the beach oh yeah you know very clean scent very uh very refreshing that reminds me of i used to wear um ck1 was a lot like that the calvin klein calvin klein yeah real same thing very very kind of soft a little citrusy yep and very much like oh I'm, i'm just wearing nothing but you know linen pants and walking up and down. Exactly. Yep. yep. White linen pants yep. and a and a an open button down. Absolutely. Just partially perpetu- see through. Yep. Perpetually just a breeze at all times in yep. all directions that I'm walking. Even when you're inside. Even when I'm inside. What's it? What's the perfume though? Same thing. It's light blue. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't realize that it was yeah. a uh they're actually um they're eerily similar but distinctly different like wow. you can you can tell that it's a, a woman's perfume or the man's cologne but when they're right next to each other they're very similar you see i kind of like that i yeah I, the, the, I don't like too much of a differentiation i think between like oh that's a a, a female smell and that's a male smell like mm, i don't usually buy into that too too much that's sometimes why I think, you get like, that oh, god no please i was just say sometimes you get that like when companies do like try to make them different like, you know, yeah. you might get a really musky one for a guy and then the, the lady's scent is much cleaner and bright. And sometimes those those like, for lack of a better term, like hyper masculine smells almost then smell like dirty to me. I'm like, mm, I don't want to smell like dirt. Itself, I see that. You know, Definitely. I want to be, you know, I'm a dewy misted forest. I don't want to be like a, a forest fire, you know. I want something nice, something light. You definitely don't want to be a forest fire. Is there a smell you can't stand? Um, 
there were a few, but not like perfumes. Or I, that, that's actually a lie. Like at this point, I can't smell love spell. Oh, God! if, no. if somebody has love spell on, it's like too much. No. And if you're still wearing love spell in 2022, I suggest you go find a different scent. <laughs> that's like when I smell people at this point, I know that will still wear. I think it was uh, curious. Isn't that like Britney Spears's? Oh, I have like, no idea. Per- oh, dude, I if, if you smelt it, you would go, oh, my God, it's 2007 <laughs> all over again. I know that uh, smell. What else? What else don't I? I you know what really gets me? Um, I worked in the produce department at Costco for like uh, seven or eight years. Rotten watermelons. Can't do oof, it. Oof, no. or, or, and, and the potatoes and onions would smell worse, believe it or not. Did I not ever tell you the potato story? I think so. Yeah. Was well, it lost in your in the apartment, right? Lost or, in the apartment, living yep. with five guys Those in, suckers uh, in undergrad. Stink, dude. Yep. Oh, it was putrid. Yeah. Putrid. Something about them. I don't know what it is. I'm not a botanist. <laughs> no. What are you thinking for the beer? The the uniqueness of it, but still the, the like color, how, dude. the color, how it still maintains, though, I think the characteristics of a classic, you know, uh, farmhouse ale, Berliner Weiss. I'm going four two. <clears throat> like I, I'm going real high. It's 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 a unique, fun <clears throat> beer. I can't think of anybody that doesn't really like the combination of pineapple, mango, yeah. and coconut. Come on, I mean it's it's awesome. It is a delicious, classic. delicious beer. Sitting on a beach, drinking a a blue green smoothie. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, like I, I, you could, I could go to Pliables and they could serve me this in a cup and I would drink it and be like, yep, that's fruit. Didn't you drink something called like a green monster when we were on vacation perpetually that tasted <clears throat> like this? Um, I think that was liquid marijuana. Was it on the cruise? Yeah. It was this color, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, again, that was like, Blue curacao, coconut rum, and right. then like pineapple lime, juice. Yep, lime juice. Yep, very yeah. tropical. Well, pretty, pretty. Yeah, and you're right. There probably was pineapple juice in there. Yeah. Yeah, pretty similar. Um, I had a sip, a couple sips um, just before, and this beer is thick. Yeah. Like act- actually, maybe not not as nearly as much residue as our last. Um, no, it's uh, the 450 North. 450 North from yeah. uh, SpongeBob. But I mean, this is this is still a thick beer. I'm going to say I'm pretty close to you. I'm a little above you, I think. Uh, four, three, five. Okay. And I would I'd probably be willing to go higher if it was a more. I'm almost like mad at it because I can't figure out why it tastes that way. You Like the, the viscous nature of it? Or just like how it feels like there's something hidden in there that I can't really pinpoint. I don't know. So because the fact is that it is a fruited sour, I'm thinking that, you know, we've all had like coconut milk and you've had like coconut juice. But when you really kind of go ahead and like puree coconut every once in a while, it uh, again, it does have a like a slightly creamier kind of like viscous nature to it. Mm. I'm still I'm still banking on that. I'm into it a little. Yeah, I'm into it. it. They're close enough. We could always just go ahead and uh, take a drive on down. Seaside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm this is one of the one of the ones I haven't been to that I would really love to. I'm impressed. I've had um not with you, but an IPA from them. You drink beers and, with uh, other people. 
Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I have many, many a mistress. If you believe that. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, not a concern. <laughs> definitely, definitely going to hit up heavy reel. Yeah. I would you so. care to, would you care to take us into fragrances? Sure. I will. I'm going to start us off with, uh, I'm going to go a little long first, perhaps if we don't, if we don't mind, uh, not at and all. this suggestion actually came from, um, my Nick, I had spoken to him last night and I was like, well, what do we, what do we, what else should I go for? So he had suggested, uh, suggested the role that fragrances had played during the plague and black death. Oh, nice. So this is from, um, a four part blog posting, um, from a website that's called, oh, scent of death. Okay. Yeah, it was like super specific in that regard. Um, Let me get this correct. Yeah, deathscent.com is where this came from. So let's dive on in. Uh, So there's a lot of information that this individual had put together. I I apologize. I don't have their name off the top of my head. Um, But super robust, really well, like, uh, you know, sourced and whatnot. It's like they knew that, you know, a year and a half later, we were going to be doing this episode and they threw this together for me. Love that. Um, so I'll start off with the idea of miasma theory. Are you familiar with this at all? I think a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So miasma theory, if anything, holds the belief that particles of like rotting matter are released into the air, especially at night by like refuse, garbage and decomposing bodies. And so while now it's, it's better understood that and, and kind of rooted in some truth, you know, um, how like certain smells are indicative of um, like dirty air, if you will, like, you know, when you go into a place like you smell mold and, you know, inhaling that is obviously, you know, not good for you at all. However, the thought process then was that breathing in the smell of like rotting flesh and whatnot would actually plague the individual with black death as well so this was yeah so it was kind of rooted in this you know olfactory fear if you will okay Um, i like that right so this is actually what kind of had led to the thought that going to the countryside uh to breathe in like quote-unquote clean air came about and was always presented as like a cure-all because you know during this black death period uh, in Europe, it was primarily poor parts of cities where there were really poor, um, you know, uh, like human waste disposal and, and you know, bodies were piled up all over the place. So, like, the stank of the Middle Ages was disgusting, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I almost think back what I said a couple episodes ago when I said I wanted to vacation too. The Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. Like it was yeah. it's one of the things that's like consistently noted just smelled like shit. Maybe uh, not a good time. Maybe not. Unless you go to the countryside. That sounds like it would have been lovely. Exactly. Death free. So this um, like kind of like, you know, belief in, in miasma theory uh, eventually led to the idea that fumigation um, could protect uh, protect against black death. And a lot of these fumigations became referred to as like plague preservatives so like not so much fumigation in the sense that we know it where it's like you know for chemicals and whatnot but just the whole idea of like perfuming the air would protect an individual from you know getting black death 
So, um, you know, so wealthy people would go ahead and in these large like cauldrons or braziers, they would burn uh, incense as a form of both perfume and protection. Um, and in public, they used to burn bonfires of sulfur. And oh, yeah. And even had sprayed like like mercury compounds around, which is not. Oh, my great. God. Yeah. So and what's interesting is that. So like, yeah, sulfur, it's the smell of, you know, rotting eggs. You know, it's not great. Um, but the scents weren't always necessarily supposed to be pleasant. Like it was this connection between the physical and the spiritual world in that um, almost like, you know, uh, the unpleasantness of the smell was to like atone for certain ills and wrongs that you had done, um, but still was to tell you in the physical world that your area was safe and clean. And the author of the blog makes the article or makes the argument that does make a little bit of sense, I think. Like, think about the smell of bleach. Like, bleach is not a particularly pleasant smell. Mm. But when you smell it, you know that you are in a clean and sterile environment. Right. So, um, the most pleasant scents that were, like, utilized at the time were lavender, rosemary, and pine. So, lavender, which derives from the Latin word lavare for wash. And the scent oh. was, Yeah. The scent was also supposed to have some sort of like meeting with like bathing and baptism. Um, Rosemary was connected to the Virgin Mary and was assumed to have like healing capabilities. Uh, And then the most common of these preservatives were posies and what are referred to as nosegays. Have you ever heard of a nosegay? No, but I I do know like how they used to use these and so, you know, they yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So a nosegay is essentially a, a, a bouquet or a, a corsage, essentially. Um, so the strong smell of like flowers and kitchen herbs used to be stuffed into clothes around the house and in clothes and around the house. And hence the term, you know, a pocket full of posies from Ring oh. Run the Rosie. That's where that came from. And this was also where we had started to see the beginnings of the wedding bouquet, which is appropriate being that you are very soon, very, very soon, soon to be betrothed, soon to be betrothed. Um, Wedding bouquets in the past were seen as like really kind of like country and Philistine and kind of like low brow, if you will. Um, However, again, with the thought of like fumigation, um, rosemary was used to protect against the plague. Lavender, uh, was meant to protect against fevers and scorpion bites. Um, oh, nice. Right? I said that's very specific. Should keep some lavender around. Exactly. Uh, roses were to protect for coughs and stomach problems, and cowslip was used for convulsions and tremors. And all of this together was supposed to be put together uh, for the bride to hold and protect her for, for all time. Wow. Right? So they were lowbrow at first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it was not something that you would see like, you know, someone of a of a higher socioeconomic status would ever get married uh with a with a bouquet. Um so the main idea that I that I kind of dove into this was if I said, you know, um the plague or black death and sense 
we might think of like plague doctors, right? And sure. those big horns and whatnot that they used Definitely. to use. So the plague doctor or a medico del peste, um, it was kind of presented as this, this bird man. And this whole outfit and getup that we know of um, was actually probably not correct uh, at all. Oh, that's sad. Right. And it's, it, they, they actually make a reference to like the, the Mandela effect where it's like, this is something that we've been conditioned to believe in, but is probably not actually the case. And it was actually theorized by a doctor named Charles uh, Delorme in 1630. So he was a French, uh, he was the doctor to the French court for three generations of kings and lived till he was 94 years old. Goodness. Um, he attributed his longevity to something that's known as a uh, antimony, which is like a metalloid that I guess he shaved and like consumed. I don't know. Oh, um, so the whole thing though, that he had proposed was not so much that uh, these doctors were wearing like masks that were uh, constructed of ceramic or paper mache to create these beaks, but rather said that it was a leather mask with a pouch for fragrances. Um, and again, there's very, very little, of these that actually even like exist to this day. Uh, if anything, they're like linked back to Southern France, Italy, and Switzerland. And there isn't much documentation of these hoods before 1656. And most of those discussions were in regards to whether or not this doctor's theory could have been correct. Oh, so we actually have no idea. Um, if, if these things were actually like utilized or, or not. And it seems like it's just a popular misconception that these were like black death doctor masks. Wow. Yeah. Like doctors are one of my favorite, like symbols of all time. Just yeah. Like that, that iconic bird face. Yep. They say and that they're creepy looking. They say that it's uh, that that's more closely tied to um, like Dante's Comedia dell'arte. And like, oh, really? Yeah, that each one of those masks are actually indicative of a <clears throat> character from that writing, like rather oh. than from um, like the period of, of the plague to begin with. So, yeah. Shoot. OK. Right. Well, you you asked me before about, you know, like what I don't like to smell. So what one of the things I wanted to talk about are the worst smelling things in the world. Ooh. so this is all from sciencealert.com. Okay. Uh, it's an article from 2018, so not too long ago. Um, but just like really quickly before we get into the, the smelly things, like what we should talk about why things smell or like even more so, oh. why do we interpret them to be bad or good? I mentioned so this, olfactory and then completely jumped over what did. that even means. That's okay. I'm going to come back to it. There we so go. the science behind what makes things smell bad or good is actually kind of complex. Um, a study in 2007 looked at 1,500 properties of 150 molecules to determine what correlates a pleasant smell and an unpleasant scent. So the University of California Berkeley team that found uh, that did this study found that electron density and molecular weight are closely related to how we perceive the quality of a scent. Huh. So the heavier, more spread out the molecules tend to be are associated with bad smells. And then the inverse, lighter, more compact molecules are more pleasant um, smelling to us. Interesting. So not only that, but they believe that there is a deeper connection. Uh, it goes on to say that they think that 
it's not only due to the physical chemical properties of a molecule that caused this, but actually the way our brain interprets the information as well. Hmm. And I'm going to, I'll get into this a little later because that's kind of confusing. So here are some of the things that smell just awful. Okay. And you're going to think this is a joke at first, but Uranus, the planet, we actually talked about it when we did planets. When we did planets. Yep. Really? Luckily, I said, luckily, this one is easily avoidable. Um, but apparently, Uranus smells like rotten eggs. I was just going to say, it's it's mostly sulfuric. There is. Um, it makes sense, right? We because there's a bunch of hydrogen the... sulfide in the atmosphere. We retain some of the information we talk about. We, we do. Every once Absolutely. in a while, you know, a little something pops up. You're 100% right. Have you heard of durian fruit? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have. So durian fruit is a very polarizing um, fruit in the world because it, for the most part, smells like some of the worst things you can think of smelling. And to other people, it smells like sweet and like caramel and tastes amazing and all this stuff. Oh, see, I didn't realize that there was like a that there was two different like sets of folks who smell it differently. I thought it was like universally horrific smelling and then the taste is just good and that's why people eat it this kind of goes back to what i was saying before um that our brains some people's brains interpret smells different ways hmm. and even though the smell could be bad for someone it if your brain doesn't see it as a threat or hmm. you know like uh, i read that you can almost like desensitize yourself to durian and if you have it like two or three times after that, it's the best thing you've ever had. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so durian fruit is known as the king of fruits in Southeast Asia. Um, I don't know about the king, but it's, from what we've heard, the most pungent, 100%. It's a huge, very big fruit, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Apparently, the smell is so pervasive and lingering that it is banned on all public transport in Singapore. Um, in 2018, an Indonesian plane hauling durian as cargo was grounded when passengers refused to board due to the foul stench. Holy shit. So, so it's got some, you know, it's got some history. Yeah. Uh, scientists have spent years to determine, discover what makes this fruit so potent and despised. Yeah. And after some serious work, they were able to find uh, to pinpoint 50 unique compounds in Thai durian fruit. So specifically of the Thai region. Mm-hmm. Um, these 50 compounds lend to the odor. Eight of these had not been detected in durians before. And four of them were completely unknown to science. So we're talking like some serious compounds here. It sounds like they waited so long to do some of this like research. It's like, really? You didn't who, think like who, who knew we needed to? Yeah, true. Well, right. I feel like if anything in the list of do we need to go ahead and figure out how to make seedless watermelon or should we go ahead and figure out why this thing that already naturally grows smells like this that I we eat. put that up there. Yeah, yeah I, put that I, up there I agree with you. I'm with you. Uh, I think it's really cool that four of the compounds in there were unknown to science. I think yeah. that's awesome. And what year? Um, I'm sorry. Did you say that they had done that? This um, I don't have the year of that study. Oh, OK. But this article comes from 2018. So I assume sometime not too long before that. Okay. I believe it was like close to 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Shit. Good God. Um, after the analysis, they deducted that it's not just one compound that gives off the putrid stench, but all of them combined. 
so the compounds are identified by their chemical formula. So to me and you totally cryptic because we don't have a, you know, organic chem degree. No, not in the slightest. Right. But, um, you know, they have like fancy, like F1 aldehyde or whatever. Oh, um, that. yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, uh, just nomenclature for it. So, but there were, some of them were matched to aromas. Actually, a lot of them were, but the range varies widely as you can imagine. Um, I read everything from like sweaty socks to rotten onions to like all sorts of stuff in this fruit. Have you heard of, and I might not pronounce this correctly, the Rafflesia Analdi? I don't believe so, no. Okay, this is also another um, native to Southeast Asia item. This one's actually the national flower of Indonesia. Okay. So, so the Analdi is the world's largest flower. And I'll, I'll send you a picture uh, later. Yeah. We'll get it up for everyone. World's largest flower measures at about one meter across. So quite the, Wait quite the bulb. That's huge. Yeah, quite the bulb. And it's also the smelliest. <laughs> quite, quite literally. The, quite the bulb. Quite literally smells like a rotting corpse. Oddly oh, enough, I know exactly what this? you're talking about. Yes. This is a survival mechanism as this stench attracts uh, what's called a carrion fly. So it's the only fly, I guess, that pollinates this plant. Yeah. So the smell, smell attracts them and that's how they keep living. Isn't this the flower that like blooms once and then yes. dies? Yes. 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 It's like, for, and it blooms for like a 24 hour period or something like that. And correct. that's the only time. That is correct. Wow. And then finally, my, my last really smelly thing is um, the lesser anteater. I didn't know there was a lesser anteater. It looks like a baby, a baby, honestly. Yeah, that's, that's um, the greater anteater's younger, less successful brother. 100%. Every, every greater anteater always has a lesser Has anteater. a lesser one, of course. Right, successful brother, right. Why can't you um, be more like your brother? So, <laughs> so I put here, they're quite cute. But don't let that fool you because this little sucker is known to be five to seven times smellier than the common skunk. Oh, yeah. Five to seven times smellier. I feel like scent isn't often very well measured to present to us also <laughs> like and, and like in a in such a way where I think like, oh, you know, OK, so peppers, we've got like a scale, if anything, yeah. to know how spicy something is, you know, uh, when I watch the weather, I can see like, oh, okay. The sky makes visibility this far away. I've never heard anything that's gone ahead and said like, oh, you know, on the, on the, I don't know, on the beak meter, you know, this is uh, a very smelly something, very smelly day. Maybe, maybe we just found our new calling. Maybe I have a tendency to smell things quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a smeller. You're already halfway there. I know. I know. As far as my, I'm concerned, my mother had pointed it out to me once, well into my 20s, and I was very embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> we were eating something new, and I guess I had gone to like smell it before I ate it. And she was like, "You've been doing that your whole life." I was like, "What?" She was like, "You smell something before you eat it." I was like, "Yeah, I need to know if it's poison." Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like that's de that's a defense mechanism, so I don't sure. eat, you know lie or whatever, I agree because you know, we don't we don't want that. Even though no. hunts tomatoes peels their tomatoes exactly. with lie exactly, it's fine. Um, so I am going to get into one of my other favorite scents, um, patchouli. I love the smell of patchouli. Patchouli, really? Patchouli. I love the smell of patchouli. Didn't know I'd be talking about patchouli today, but here we are. Here we are. 
You were, did you think, well, you knew we were going to be talking about the lesser anteater. So, I mean, you know, oh, yeah, is, I did, yeah. it's a surprising day for all of us. I love it. So patchouli is, interestingly enough, it is also native to Southeast Asia, including uh, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, New Why Guinea. Why are there so many smelly things in Southeast Asia? I have no idea. That's a really good question. Um, Indonesia actually produces 90% of the patchouli like oil oh, in the wow. world. So they, a lot. Um, it's been used as perfumery, which is the proper term, which I did not realize. Perfumery, Fancy. right? Uh, for centuries. Um, a study also shows that it can be used as an insect repellent, uh, specifically warding off the uh, Formosan subterranean termite, if anything, just in case you're plagued by those at all. Sure. Uh, it's become uh, an integral scent for East Asian incense. I know how you guys were just complaining about your uh, Forasam subterranean termite. So yeah, yeah, they're, those little things are the devil, the worst. Um, so again, it is integral um, or an integral scent for East Asian incense, and grew massively then in popularity following the counterculture uh, of the 1960s here in the West. So that's when we really started to, uh, to embrace patchouli. And it's even been used in the scenting of toys. Oh. So in 1985, Mattel had released an action figure, Stinkor, a villain from the He-Man series. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And, yep. We were talking about the 90s and how they were strange times. Cannot hold a candle to the 80s. Um, so Stinkor was labeled as, quote unquote, the evil master of odors. And his superpower was to release a toxic odor from his body, rendering his enemies immobile. So this character was presented to the producers of the Master uh, Masters of the Universe uh, cartoon series. But the um, supervillain, Oh, I'm sorry. But the producers had basically said like his superpower made it so that he would never be featured in an episode. Uh, and according to like staff writers at the time, when it was presented to them, they had all burst out into laughter and vowed never to feature this character. Until 2002, when he was finally presented uh, and we got his origin story where before joining Skeletor's group, uh, he had witnessed the escape of Cobra Khan. Uh, and the best part was, and I don't know why, again, I would love to sit down with some of these like uh, superhero and supervillain creators. It turned out that he wasn't immune to his own stench. And as a result, had to wear like an oxygen mask around oh in order to breathe properly, which what a flaw. Masters of the universe, baby. Right? Yeah. I, I, that, what a great cartoon, first off. What a super gay cartoon. I am sorry to tell you. No, I mean, it's, it's okay. He-Man he is, a, is a very homoerotic cartoon if you ever go back. I'm okay with it. I mean, I, so am I, evidently. Very progressive. Uh, very progressive. Yeah, very progressive for Term the time. not often appre uh, uh, yeah, appropriated <laughs> by the 80s. Yeah, or Thanks. by cartoons. Or by cartoons, exactly. Correct. All right. So I've here's my last thing. I went a little uh, deep dive into common perfume ingredients Ooh. and their properties. So it's honestly, always something that's kind of intrigued me. 
um, like, because, you know, people make these, obviously they combine whatever they combine. You're about to learn. Um, So I was curious. So I did some digging. You talked about one of them before, and I will start with that. So we're going to talk about musk. Musk is a common perfume ingredient. Uh, Its background surprised me. So natural musk is harvested from the glands of the musk deer. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, However, due to extensive poaching, the deer is now protected and the musk is generally made from a mixture of synthetic and plant-based ingredients. What? It just always goes back to like, who was the first son of a bitch that was like, why don't you go ahead and squeeze the glands of that deer over there? Yeah, I agree. And get sprayed in the face by musk. Yeah, be like, hmm, you know what? Yeah. Not half bad. I didn't even know deers had musk glands. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, anyway, uh, on to the next. So Ode, spelled O-U-D. Mm-hmm. Ode is known as one of the most expensive perfume ingredients in the world. Um, it can be found from the agar tree. Are you familiar with agar agar? I don't believe so, no. So agar agar is a, um, and I hope they're related. I just assumed. Agar agar is a powder. It's like a um, it's like a thickening agent used in in desserts sometimes or foods. Oh, um, sometimes like panna cotta. Oh, to make like, it a, to make it a little more uh, of a solid. Is it like a know. like a like a cornstarch? It, it looks like yeah, it's a powder. Okay. Um, but it's like a like a special. It's it, you wouldn't normally use it to like coat something in or. You wouldn't use it for anything like that. It's strictly to thicken or like solidify things. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've never heard of it. So the, um, the agar tree, these are found mostly in Southeast Asia. I don't know what's in the water in Southeast Asia, but maybe we should drink some. I don't know. Um, it's, it's... Maybe not. We'll be smelly. I think is I think. the takeaway. Yeah. So when the tree becomes infected by a mold called, and bear with me here, Phyllophora parasitica, it reacts by producing a dense, dark, and super fragrant resin to protect itself. Wow. That's ode. That, that's how we get ode. So the tree has to come become infected until it finally releases like this fragrant fighting resin. I want that to be the new sales slogan. The fighting <laughs> fragrant resin resin what's up with nature man yeah i was crazy. just gonna say nature you're you're you crazy nature yeah yeah okay so how about have you ever heard of cumarin sounds like cumin cumarin cumarin um it's a sweet it has a sweet vanilla like odor um so it's easy to understand why it's a common perfume ingredient this distinct smell can be found both synthetically and in natural sources such as from the tonka bean tree vanilla grass and sweet clover Hmm. there's also vetiver uh this one's an important ingredient in masculine perfumes everything's better everything's better 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 with vetiver um these are found in both men's and women's it's a grassy fibrous root that is distilled into an oil that this is right up your alley smells of woody earthy leather and smoky tones oh that's actually probably what you enjoy a hundred percent in in your fragrance in the musk yeah oh yeah yep. and then the last one i have here is al- our aldehydes so al- aldehydes are used to give fragrances how it was explained a bit of oomph um and these actually really changed the way that fragrances were developed 
So one of the most famous accidental discoveries in the perfume world was when too much aldehyde was put into a formulation of what would become Chanel number no. five. Get out of here. And yeah, instead of ruining the scent, it gave the perfume its power and strength. And the perfume industry has continued to use it ever since, obviously. Wow. This can be found both uh, synthetically and uh, plant-based sources such as rose, cinnamon bark, and orange rind. These typically have a floral slash fruity scent. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I really love cool. That. Chanel. Quick little breakdown. Yeah. Chanel number nine. I'm I'm maybe this is a bold statement, but I feel like everybody's grandmother at one point in time. Oh, I yeah. If I smell it now, I instantaneously think like, oh my grandmother's my grandmother's around here somewhere. Like it's it's such a bizarre bizarre thing there's there's a little old lady who works at the dry cleaner around the block from me that like does all my um she's a seamstress and the first time i met her i was like oh my god you're like four nine your grasp of english is not very good and you are bathed in chanel number nine and if if you weren't syrian i would say that you were a Sicilian and definitely related to me somehow because my people my people i know that smell but you, you brought up actually something I wanted to talk about that I didn't, well, I, I dove into it, but I didn't bring it to the table because I thought it was a little too sciencey. I think I know where you're going. I really wanted to talk about why fragrances bring up such vivid memories. Yeah. Yeah. And what the little that I found was nice, like layman's terms, let's call it. Yeah. Um, but essentially it's, it's how it's tied and rooted to your youth, but also the um, the frequency that you smell that scent. So like if it's something that you don't smell too often, but it's tied to a powerful memory, it, it, it'll bring it back to you. Really? Other than that, I didn't go too much into it. I was, go- I was going to as well, because that's always fascinated me that it's the one that's close, closest connected to memory. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there are definitely some things that I like I have in my possession that I don't see very often and, and whatnot. But like if I smell it, I'm instantaneously taken back to a different like time, different place. And yeah, oh, it's 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 magical. Sometimes I get a and uh, I don't even know where I'd be getting it from. But do you remember, man, what the name what was the name of the pack on cologne that everybody wore? No, Gosh not, darn it. Oh, no, 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 no. So Kira was the girl's perfume. That sounds right. Kira. There was one For called guys. Vert, oh, but it, it's not Vert. I wore it too. It had a little puka shell on, yeah. on the. Oh, man. Oh, no. Whenever I smell that, I immediately get taken back to like playing DVR. Every time oh, without fail. It was like a blue. Yeah. Ish bottle. And yes. Yeah. Oh, it had like a clear top. Is it called clear? No, no. I don't think so. Oh, someone's gonna have to tell us. I don't want to look it up, but I'm gonna look it up. Okay, don't, 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 don't tell me. Don't tell I me. I won't. Though. I'm just in gonna the, surprise you with it. In the meantime, then I will leave us with. Oh, uh, maybe, with no, you were right. I think, dude. Kira. Yeah, Kira. Was it really? Yeah, I thought that that was the the. Wait, no. The that was the perfume. The cologne was different. No, Kira's a cologne. I don't see the one with the little puka shell though. Yeah, I think Kira was the one I was trying to think of. Maybe. I don't know. I saw saw Vert right next to it. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. 
essentially, what are we trying to figure out? But mm, that smell. Burn yes. So, yes, I decided this is actually what I opened with. This is the first piece of research I had done was on that smell from oh, Leonard Skinner. I always forget that's Leonard Skinner and not Foreigner. Oh, I and it's always think it's Foreigner. It's funny you say that because if I'm not mistaken, one of the guitarists uh, that wound up joining with Leonard Skinner had previously performed with Foreigner. Oh, interesting. Yeah, not I don't believe it was from this variation of Leonard Skinner, however. Oh, okay. Um, so that smell was released on October 17th, 1977 on the album Street Survivors. So according to you, Ronnie Van Zant, um, who was the lead singer and the writer of, uh, of that smell, uh, the band had increasingly been using like alcohol, heroin, and cocaine to relieve the pressures of performing in front of large audiences. So quintessential, just kind of 70s rock debauchery. Definitely. The inspiration came for the song um, from the increasing like indulgences that each member of the band had been experiencing, uh, which kind of like came to fruition when the guitarist, uh, Gary Rosington, had crashed his Ford Torino into a tree in Jacksonville uh, when he oh. was like all fucked up on, uh, on drugs and alcohol. And according to Van Zant, that's what earned Rosington the nickname Prince Charming. Don't know why, but that's evidently the case. So what had happened was that uh, Van Zandt had said that he had a bad feeling about the way that things were going for the band and had thought to, quote, blow lines, slam some, slam some H, and write a morbid song, which is what he did. Um, despite the fact that the song's intent was to raise awareness about the dangers of drugs and alcohol. So, you know. There's always that. Tragically, the song was released only on the album, only three days before the private chartered plane that the band was flying on back to uh, Texas ran out of fuel and had crashed in the wooded area near uh, Gillsburg, Mississippi. Uh, and the crash had killed six passengers, including the pilot and co-pilot, the assistant road manager, backup guitar, uh, backup vocalist, excuse me. Uh, I don't know if it's Cassie or Casey. Uh, we'll go with Casey. Casey Gaines, her older brother uh, and guitarist of the band, Steve Gaines, as well as the lead singer and writer of that smell, Ronnie Van Zandt. Crazy. Right? I didn't realize it happened right after that. I, me neither. That I was all conspiracy. Yeah, that was the thing that apparently was pilot error. I smell a conspiracy. Mm, that smell. Hey, a song uh, meant to raise the awareness of drugs. Yeah. Saying how bad they are. And then three days later, the songwriter passes away. Hmm. I don't know. Would they have taken that many people with them? Collateral damage. I don't know. I don't do these things. I don't know. I don't, the only reason why I'm going to say no. The only reason why I'll say no is just because of the fact is that, you know, the war on drugs hadn't ramped up entirely yet. And it was only a couple of years earlier that Elvis was standing next to President Nixon in the in the Oval Office, tweaked out of his skull. Fair enough. To go ahead and raise awareness about drugs and alcohol. Fair enough. Yeah. Here's here. Here is what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, I, I actually love that song. That might be one of my favorite Skinner songs. I would say that actually. it's probably one of mine as well. Um, yeah, because uh, if if the next time I have to hear Sweet Home Alabama will be the um, next time too soon, uh, if anything. But that smell, absolutely. Such a yeah. great song. Such yeah. a good song. Some, you know, it's funny. I always confuse them with the Eagles, too. And I never understand why. But I was like, oh, yeah, hole in the world. That's Leonard Skinner. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. No, hole no. in the world. Why don't I even know that song? That's uh, the Eagles. How, really? I don't, I don't think I know that one. Deep Cuts. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I didn't just make that up. Okay. And also, hey, big, also, I'm a big fan of Victim of Love, and I know that's an Eagles song. That's fine. That, that, I'll, that I'll, I'll allow. I like the Eagles. Yeah, oh, yeah. People say about them. I would kill to see them play. Yeah, well, might have to you, kill for one of those. I was tickets. just going to say we would need to, considering how much goddamn money tickets are. They're not free. They're not free. Damn it. No. So if you guys could like, you know, share and like and subscribe, comment, leave some five star reviews, maybe we'll be able to f- afford Eagles tickets one day. Yeah, like, and that'd be really nice. And we'd be like, oh my god, thank you so much. And we we so probably scary. bring someone with us. Yes. I forgot that we're on video and not just audio. So yes, I will definitely. Yes, I say. Says yes. Nick. I believe everything. And what are you doing, Alex? Oh, sorry. Sorry. We're on camera. We're on camera. That's all right. They got us. They got you us. guys are great. Thanks guys for coming in, everyone. It's always fun talking. I would much rather prefer to be in person. I but know. hey, sometimes uh, you take a nap and don't set the alarm for the right time. You know what? Works out well, considering the fact that uh, I got a little beach time in, so I'm not upset about it. That's that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad I could uh, I could assist you in that. Thank you. You're you're you are a, a gentleman and a scholar. I uh, that's what they call me. I'll be here all week, ladies and gents. It's been a pleasure, Nick. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace. Beer's End is hosted by Alex Chula and me, Nick Messina. Video producer is Mike Delavan. Original music is by Alex Chula. Sound effects have been provided by Zapsplat. And audio editing and producing is from me, Nick Messina. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Beer's End wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Beer's End Podcast and on Twitter at Beer's End One. That's on Twitter at Beer's End, the number one or shoot us an email at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Alex and I always want you to enjoy your beer safely and responsibly. Neither Alex nor myself have any affiliations with any of the breweries we sampled in this episode, be them legal affiliations or otherwise. If you have any questions or concerns, please email us at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. That's beers, the word and, podcast at gmail.com.